You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about the Christ at the Checkpoint USA that was held just last week in Oklahoma City. It was a very inspiring event. Chuck Carlson and his wife, Onita, myself, and uh, one of our friends from Colorado also came, Dean Cousins. And we had a little booth there with the display that we were able to show people some of our work as far as challenging Christian Zionists. So it was uh, attended by about 200 people, and it was organized by some Methodists in the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma area. And it was very successful. They had some very big names at that, including people like Alex Awad, the Palestinian pastor that actually got the idea of Christ of the Checkpoint started back in 2010, and they've been held every two years since then, so uh, six so far. The last one in Bethlehem was in May of this year, and so this was significant that they brought this to the United States, and the point, of course, is that we want to expose this to our fellow Christians, as anybody that's listening to our podcast know. We are challenging Christian Zionism as a false form of Christianity. And so I'd like to start out with the purpose from the program. And uh, they've got a purpose statement here for Christ at the Checkpoint. Exploring the ways Jesus followers in the Middle East understand the current conflict and how the Western world might respond to Palestinian Arabs and Israeli Jews in the context of Holy Land realities. And then this is the manifesto, point one, the kingdom of God has come. Evangelicals must reclaim the prophetic role in bringing peace, justice, and reconciliation in Palestine and Israel. Two, reconciliation recognizes God's image in one another. Three, racial ethnicity alone does not guarantee the benefits of the Abraham covenant. Four, the church of the land of the Holy One has borne witness to Christ since the days of Pentecost. It must be empowered to continue to be light and salt in the region if there is to be hope in the midst of conflict. Five, any exclusive claim to to land of the Bible in the name of God is not in line with the teaching of the scripture. Six, all forms of violence must be refuted unequivocally. Seven. Palestinian Christians must not lose the capacity for self-criticism if they wish to remain prophetic. Eight, there are real injustices taking place in the Palestinian territories, and the suffering of the Palestinian people can no longer be ignored. Any solution must respect the equity and rights of Israeli and Palestinian communities. Nine, for Palestinian Christians, the occupation is the core issue of the conflict. 10. Any challenge to the injustices taking place in the Holy Land must be done in Christian love. 
Criticism of Israel and the occupation cannot be confused with anti-Semitism and the delegitimizing of the state of Israel. 11. Respectful dialogue between Palestinian and Messianic believers must continue. Though we may disagree on secondary matters of theology, the gospel of Jesus and his ethical teaching take precedence. 12. Christians must understand the global context for the rise of extremist Islam. We challenge stereotyping of all faith forms that betray God's commandment to love our neighbors and enemies. And so I'm going to turn this over now to Chuck to talk about what was accomplished at this Christ at the Checkpoint. Chuck? We found that Christ at the Checkpoint accomplished some very important things. And we found also that there were places that we need to fit in and do things that they are not doing or that they really wouldn't understand as well as we did. The people who were leading the organization came primarily from the United Methodist Church. And many, however, were from Palestine at the conference sponsors, which was Bethlehem Bible College. Here are my observations, and the others who are going to join us are going to have things to add to this, I'm sure. But these are the points that I thought were really made convincingly by the people who were there. They convincingly exposed Israel's intentional brutality in occupation. Uh, you just can't get a handle on this because we hear so many lies about this on our media that we're inclined to believe that this doesn't really happen. The people who were there were extremely convincing, I thought, and I don't know how anyone could listen to them and less than believe them. They also made a, a wonderful presentation that Arab Christians do exist in Palestine. If we listened to what we were told, we would think that it was a land of ISIS Islamics, vicious people. You wouldn't know that there were Methodists, Baptists, and Lutherans there, and that they do act like, in a Christ-like way. Thirdly, it can be argued that American Christians are blind to Israel's brutality. This was argued pretty convincingly. These people told us of their experiences with American Christians who simply didn't believe them. And then they made a really strong case suggesting that Christian Zionism is planted to deceive Christians in the United States. Now, what needs to be much further developed, and which we have been working on, I think, and where we fit into this picture, is that the explanation of how Christian Zionism works and what its methods are, uh, how it uses the Schofield Reference Bible and other books, and was not really covered by the session, I did not think. And we need to help educate them a little bit in some of these things that they don't run into every day because they're not going to the First Baptist Church of Oklahoma City and hearing these things, what's taught there. What I didn't think was discussed with any detail at the conference and that we can add to, that those who control the USA created both the state of Israel and the state of Saudi Arabia out of thin air after World War II. 
and they did it for a purpose. And by the way, these two acts of state creation took place within six months of each other by the same people right after the ending of World War II. In February uh, 1945, President Roosevelt met with King Abdulaziz aboard the USS Quincy in the Suez Canal. And by the way, uh, King Aziz brought uh, seven sheep to be slaughtered so he would have something to eat on board the ship. This was actually a state creation that brought about the state of Saudi Arabia. Most people don't know that. They think Saudi Arabia was always there. Saudi Arabia was created to control the biggest and the cheapest oil reserve in the world. Note that Saudi Arabia has a distinct religion of its own called Wahhabism, which is unlike and is not respected by any of the major Islamic states. This separates Saudi Arabia from its neighbor. It has a totally different religion. We're not taught this. The same people who created Saudi Arabia to control oil in the Middle East created Israel at almost the same time as a war state in disguise, a controlled mechanism for the Middle East and perhaps beyond the Middle East. Israel was created as a war-making state controlled by people outside of Israel, just like Saudi Arabia is. And then the Schofield Study Bible is subtly taught to control dispensational churches in the United States. And it's taught by the likes of Bible Study Fellowship and Precept Ministries in mainline Protestant churches, including the Methodist Church, which was so strongly represented there. Both Anita and I talked to a number of pastors there, and we didn't find anybody who really understood that there are Bible study groups, national Bible study groups that specifically are in the business of teaching dispensational Christianity or Christian Zionism in mainline churches. Finally, international central bankers who control Israel by controlling its gifts that are given to it by the United States and by others. Rarely is it observed by anybody that Israel is a country that lacks resources. It does not even have oil, which is so common in the Middle East all around it. It is a mercenary war state that is on the take and is carrying out a function that's dictated from powerful parties on the outside. These are points that we think need to be added to the wonderful ideas that were presented there. And I'd like to make a side comment. How many have ever stopped to think and asked the question, why the Christian USA bombed Nagasaki and Hiroshima in February 1945 after Japan had already sued for peace? And the answer is, if we stop to think about it, we were issuing a warning, not to Japan, but to the rest of the world that the banking fraternity that runs things here was going to run the world. These are the parts of the story that I came home thinking that we need to work on. And in order to do that, we're going to need your help, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to need a lot of help. What we really need is people who can help us to spread this message using Internet connections. All right. Well, thanks, Chuck, for that report. We're going to introduce a couple of people that we met at the program, Christy Seymour and Ken Frederick, both from Missouri. I wanted to add one little 
anecdotal story here that happened just a few weeks before I went to the Christ of the Checkpoint. It was in my own church in a Bible study with a lady I've known for a number of years, a dear lady, follower of Jesus Christ, who has a heart for refugees and has worked in that area. But when I had told her I had spent a month in Palestine, the conversation kind of went downhill, and she declared to me that God gave the land to the modern Jews and that the Palestinians have no right to live there, and they should go live in some other Arab country where there's lots of land. And so, you know, this speaks to the blindness of American Christians to the brutality that Chuck mentioned there. And one of the other things I'm going to bring on Ken Frederick, one of the things that you brought to our attention because we were trying to figure the points, one of the speakers was Reverend Dr. Stephen Sizer, who has written on Christian Zionism, and he used a really powerful word picture. The picture was, if you imagine Israel is in a candy shop, and they want three things there. They want it to be a Jewish state. They want it to be a democracy, and they want one state. And the problem is that they can only take two of those out at a time. In other words, because the lid of the jar is too small to allow them to grab onto all three. So, for example, if it's a Jewish state and a democracy, well, then it can't be a one state because that excludes the Palestinians, whether they're actually in the state of Israel or or the Palestinians that are in the occupied territory or Gaza. And with this nation-state law that was just passed by the Knesset, one of the guests there was Father Elias Shakur, a Melchite Christian who is a Israeli citizen, although he said now with this law, he's not really a He has an Israeli passport, so his status as a citizen is really in question here. So this is kind of an interesting thought. Ken, do you want to add some comments or anything else that you felt was significant about this conference? I enjoyed everything, but I did not care for that Gerald McDermott guy. I I thought he gave a pretty pretty bad presentation. Overall, I enjoyed it. Let me just interject here. Because of the pressure that the Christ of the Checkpoints has gotten, they actually invite Christian Zionists. And this Gerald McDermott that you were referring to is what he referred to himself as a new Christian Zionism. I guess it's a light version of Christian Zionism. And so, yes, his was basically Christian Zionism that God gave the land to Israel. But I think the thing that kind of balanced it was the panel afterwards. And so you have to remember that they are under a lot of pressure. They had a Jewish Messianic man invited to the program in May in Bethlehem. And Dr. Brown. Dr. Michael Brown, yes. Yeah, Michael and Brown. He said how wonderful they treated him, but he basically trashed their theology as it's as if uh, somehow the Palestinian Christians hold a dagger over Israel. It's it's kind of bizarre, actually. And so they're trying to reach out because the whole concept of reaching out and talking to uh, people is so important. Jesus taught us to not only love our neighbor, but to um, love our enemies, and we have to deal with them. Tom, I'm on Ken's side. I believe that we should 
take the place of Gerald McDermott in the next program and talk about the things I brought up a little while ago, I believe they would be better off not presenting the Christian Zionist case because it just comes across as, as puzzling to yeah. a lot of people why they're doing it. And I don't think they needed to do that. If they were to ask me, I would suggest they just leave that out and let the chips fall where they may. Tell the truth and forget about giving someone a chance to lie. <laughs> to me, we need to know how these people think uh, because the question comes up, how do you talk to a Christian Zionist? It's not easy. There's a lot of arrogance in their theology and so forth. You are very right about that, Tom. <laughs> okay, now I want to bring in another young lady that we met there, also from Missouri. Her name is Christy Seymour, and she came out of Christian Zionism. And so we find that people like our Craig Hansen uh, were Christian Zionists at one point. And so, Christy, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming to the Christ of the Checkpoint. What was your big takeaway from the conference? What would you say uh, impacted you the most? Oh, boy. Um, well, thanks for having me on. And um, so many things. I don't even know where to start, really. But I, I want to chime in real quick and say I, I agree with Chuck. I, uh, on the whole McDermott speaker, I did not know that he was going to be a Zionist. And I just couldn't sit in there and listen to it. I went ahead and walked out because things that he was saying were so out of step with everybody else. And I thought the other speakers, it seems to me that everybody there kind of already knows what Christian Zionist believes. It's like, that's why we're there. And with Stephen Sizer speaking and Gary Bird so thoroughly about the opposition to them, I don't know, it just it didn't set well with, with me. And so I went ahead and had to leave. I just thought it was going to have some controversy. And I, I just thought, I agree with Chuck, I wish they wouldn't do it. It's kind of a place for us to go and get empowered and built up. On your question, um, boy, I took away so much. I'm kind of new to the whole Palestinian issue. So I got to uh, meet a lot of Palestinians. And I sat in the hotel lobby one night with three Palestinians from California. They actually have a church there. And we got into a Bible study. And these guys were sharp. I mean, that's how I mark a Christian is how well do you know your Bible, you know, and these guys were just like hitting it. And we uh, had a wonderful fellowship. And so just listening to all of the graciousness, the love, the patience that these people are showing, these Christian uh, Palestinians are showing in light of what's happening to them and their heart, that's probably the takeaway that I got the most was I, I feel like I met a whole new family that I feel very protective of now because, you know, we're only seeing the American narrative with a all Palestinians are terrorists and, uh, you know, or they're, if they're Christians, they're kind of backwards Christians. But I got my eyes open up to a, a much bigger world through the conference. And, and I want to thank you all because you um, introduced me to the conference through your emailings. So, and I was delighted to meet you all down there too. So anyway, I got a lot out of the conference. At our dinner table, I don't check, you probably remember we had a couple of Zionists come and they Absolutely. proceeded to kind of crash our dinner and tell us that the Palestinians are staging all the violence that's happening to them and that it's really not happening. Like it's being reported. And so um, that was 
pretty interesting. That conversation didn't go down so good. So um, <laughs> that was that was that, about that, it. Where were they from? They were local, but they were organized, and they were definitely there as as a yeah. diversion. There was no yes, question they, about it. They were not just people that came to the conference and decided oh, no. they, yeah, they had a bone they to, to someone. They they were there for the purpose of disrupting, really. They were. They they absolutely were, and so. I they brought few... out the worst in me, too, by the way. I got mad. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that's all the record, but I got to admit. You, you did see what happened between me and them, didn't you, Chuck? It wasn't, no. it wasn't, wasn't so good. I, I, the adrenaline, I got my adrenaline going. I, I, I went over and apologized to them later. I said, my adrenaline got the best of me. I said, I believe everything I said to you, but, you know, I'm, and I'd love to sit down and, and go through it with the scriptures because they were like, you know, oh, we have the restoration of David's psalm tent is happening in Israel right now. The lost tribes are coming back in, and we've even erected a giant tent in Jerusalem. And I said, well, why would you do that when, when Acts 15 says right there that James proclaims the restoration of David's fallen tent is happening now, 2,000 years ago, you know, through the church. So they didn't quite know how to, to deal with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to say I wish I had gotten a chance to say that about you know, this was a real mixed bag. Of, and, and I think most of the ecumenical movement and people that were there were, you know, of course, giving the greatest message of all, that everybody should be obeying, and that's Jesus' command of love. But addressing these Zionists through the scripture is, is where we have to go with these people. If we want them to stop, you know, doing what they're doing, we have to confront their false beliefs. And I think Stephen Sizer and Gary Burge were just, incredible. They really hit it home. And, and so all of us getting versed in how to, you know, really witness to the Zionist Christians, to me, is just critical because I was one. And um, I came out of it from understanding the truth. So. Thank you, Christy. Sorry. That's, that's <laughs> I'm glad you're here. And okay. I think that this points out that it's not always easy to tell a truly brainwashed Christian Zionist from a paid shill who's told to go in and disrupt, they, they actually do. Those of us who've been there know that uh, you do become brainwashed and yes. you do become demonstrative and vocal and obnoxious. <laughs> yes, they were that. And, and right at dinner time too, darn it, you know. <laughs> uh, Chuck, I'd like to go back to your points when you said kind of get the story behind the story. And that's where the point of entry, like we, I think we mentioned earlier, a point of entry is where the Christian Zionists like to come in. And typically they like to come in after 67 and, and point out to all the Palestinians are terrorists and they want to you know, push Israel into the sea. You know, and they, they never, never go back to the, the programs of the late you know, 19th century. They don't go back to any, any right. of those, those issues. And they don't go back to Theodore Herzl and, and all those people, they just bring it up to the present and say, see how bad the Palestinians are and don't get the big picture. And so that's what I see as, as we hold these truths to be able to go back. And I put it kind of an upside down pyramid with Satan at the bottom and then just all these minions as you work, you work your way up to the Christian Zionists up on, on, on top being manipulated by Netanyahu and everybody else. It all goes back to the deception that Satan started in the, in the garden. You know, if you eat this fruit, don't, you know, you will be like gods. And we, I see the whole Zionist movement as uh, controlling the world through banking, Absolutely. media, you, you, you name it. And that all percolates back down 
to the, the father of lies. So that's our battle. And I, I understand the adrenaline, been there, done that. But, you know, when <laughs> realize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against all the Christian Zionists who are just as screwed up as, you know, we, I was just like them, you know, but it's, it's being able to recognize that our battle is way beyond in the, it's in the heavenlies. And that's where we got to make it a matter of prayer and to be like you, you said, Christy, to know, to know the scriptures, to be able to present it with meekness and gentleness, like uh, James talks right. about without, without, right. popping oh. a, without popping a cork. I, I, I used yeah, to have, we had just, we had just listened to testimony, you know, about this doctor who had to pick his children's body parts up, you know, yeah. his house was bombed. You know, oh, yeah, and it's like it. for them to sit there and tell us that these are staged. Oh, you know, I might, I was just kind of beside myself, just, yeah. you know, um, so it was a little bit of a, you know, in the moment of what was going on and what I was hearing. And like I said, I was making all these connections with the Palestinians and then they came in and just, I, I think Chuck was right. They just came to be disruptive, but they also came with a message. They were trying to get their message. And, oh, one of their biggest things was, how can this not be God? Oh, you know, how does the matter with you people? How can you not see that this is God? And, you know, and I had my answer to that. And I think I, everybody at the table about took back two steps, but I believe something kind of different than everybody else. But I personally believe she's the great harlot of the book of Revelation, but I won't get into that tonight. But um, <laughs> I know that, you know, this is uh, God allowing something I believe in. And that's one of their biggest things. And, addressing them is, you know, how is this not a move of God? And so they were very confrontational with us, you know. How many so, were there of, of them? Just two ladies, but they were. Two ladies. Well two, ladies. Mm-hmm. two at our table. There may have been more that we didn't meet. You guys must look like an easy mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were sitting next to Chuck. I mean, come on, did they even know who he was? I thought, uh, you know, are you, you sat down at the wrong table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, great. Let me open it up here to see if anybody has a question. I've got a question for Chuck. Chuck, when you you talked about the things that weren't discussed, did you have any sense like why those issues weren't? Were they trying to avoid things or just time constraints? Or what did you think why those issues weren't brought up? They were straight up all the way. For instance, the question of Christian Zionism, they waded right into Christian Zionism but then they stopped short of getting into the details what Christian Zionists teach, do, and believe. So to present other things that are native to them, that are so clear to them. And we must keep in mind that uh, these guys, especially those that come from Bethlehem Bible College, don't see any Christian Zionists over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they have to meet them on our territory. And, and, and I think it was time constraint. Alex Awad, for instance, started out defining Christian Zionism essentially the same way we do, the belief that the present-day state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, therefore must be treated as holy. And he said, now having defined this, I'm going to not talk about how we encounter it and so on. And he went on to something else that he wanted to give priority. So the answer to your question is they weren't dodging it at all. They were into other things. And we just frankly are better equipped to understand it than they are. Because we're from among them. This is where it is, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this was jam-packed. I mean, it was busy, busy, busy. And they opened the three morning sessions with devotionals. Dr. Gary Burge, who was with Wheaton College, he's with another college, gave biblical foundations. And they were just excellent. 
the Bible studies that were foundational. In our experience in dealing with Christian Zionists, we came up with the concept of Bible bingo, where they can uh, bounce around all over the place. A friend just told me recently that we need to be looking at the Bible with the 2020 method, where you read at least 20 verses before and 20 verses after to try to get Mm -hmm. the context. And uh, that's what we see a lot of Christian Zionism is getting it out of context on a lot of these Mm -hmm. issues. Another question for anybody? Looking at the schedule, it says there was a Rabbi Michael Davis. Any comments on his speaking? I enjoyed him quite a bit. He was from Chicago. He's talking about rights and so forth, and uh, it was more of a justice. He talked a little bit about his faith. It was kind of interesting. He mentioned that they basically uh, used the first five books of the Bible and the Talmud, which are the writings of men and so forth, kind of extension from the uh, oral traditions for Jesus's time and so forth. And so I thought it was good to have another voice and the, the importance of people from different faiths there. So do you have any comments on him, Chuck? Yeah, well, he was kindly sympathetic towards the Palestinians and didn't yeah. think it was necessary to kill them. And So he's going to get my paper when I finish this paper in which I talk about why Israel really was created and why Saudi Arabia was really created and how it really works and how the people over there don't control that country. It's controlled by the donors. And uh, I think we need to tell him that. These are really good questions. You brought up exactly the reason that I said, I think we have some things that we can add to their agenda and we should try to do that and give an opportunity to invite us to participate if they have uh, these kind of conferences. We want to be of help to them. But uh, I don't have further recollection of what Rabbi Davis said. Yeah, he really had a heart for the Palestinians. And we had the black pastor that gave a very impassioned address I thought was quite amazing. And actually, we'll have links that if anybody's interested, the talks will be available online at Christ the Checkpoint. So we'll have some links Great. so you can actually go and and uh, hear for yourself. There is just so much information packed in there, plus the human side that Christy has mentioned here, interacting with Palestinian Christians is quite amazing. I sat next to a couple. The husband is Egyptian. He's married to a Palestinian woman who's a professor at the Bethlehem Bible College, and uh, she's working on a doctorate, and he's trying to get into Israel. They refused the first visa. He's applying for another one. So one of the things, well, we actually laid hands and prayed for this couple that uh, he would be able to get into Israel. So there are practical things like this that made this just a a really an amazing event and uh, we hope that they'll come back to the united states and it'll expand because one of the takeaway was of course is to tell this to our fellow believers our fellow brothers and sisters in christ that there is something wrong there and they're not getting the the whole story from our media our government and uh, the Zionist lobby and all these things, and our pulpits. They're ignoring these issues for the most part. They don't want to touch it with a hot potato unless they're really Zionist 
churches, uh, this type of thing, where they do address this head on that we they uh, say we have to support uh, Israel at all costs, which is uh, the whole focus of Christian Zionism rather than a love of one and all, rather than saying that God is a, a racist and he gives and takes land from people and his chosen people are, are only one, but anyone is welcome into his kingdom. So thanks so much, everyone, for uh, the, the comments. And we really uh, are uh, enthused by what we learned at the Christ of the Checkpoint. So we just hope that this little overview uh, will charge people to look at some of the, the talks from the uh, conference and then to talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Work yourself into a conversation. Now, you might lose some friends. We know that happens. <laughs> but, you know, we have to do what's right in the eyes of God. Craig, would you lead us in the closing prayer, please? Sure. Lord Jesus, it is such a privilege and honor to represent you on this earth. I thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, but you've given us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Uh, this is such a complicated issue with so many emotions running strong on, on both sides, and we just pray for your discernment on what our role is to be to represent you as the Prince of Peace and that we would represent you as Christians that love you, love each other, and want the best and want to see many people come to know you. Guide us when we hold these truths that we might proclaim your truth to the world. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.